Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. We are getting rained on like crazy in the Buffalo area, which is... No, no. I mean, well, it's coming your way because you usually, yeah. we usually get your weather like two days before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so unless, unless, and you know, it's, it's like, we're getting like torrential downpour and I'm coming down the one highway that leads from the city to the airport that you've been down many a time. And I'm not going like ridiculously fast, but the water has built up so much that I started to hydroplane and I'm like, you know, just what I need. Yeah. That's never good. Thankfully I was going straight. I was going not fast, but fast enough that I didn't start to lose traction and i was going straight otherwise you know you hit the brakes or you, you start turning and you're going to do a 360 which is all which is always pleasant okay uh pre-show stuff go ahead russ all right so first off i want to say you know i caught the window in perfect time and you never say like good job you only bitch at me when i don't so i want to i want to say that to no, i heard i heard something but i ignored it uh-huh. You didn't hear anything. It never no, I heard, I heard, a, I heard a, little, a little garble there for like two seconds. Okay. All right. Anyhow, let's let's talk about mascots because I saw a little YouTube story that um was done in San Diego about the San Diego chicken. And to me, he's the best mascot ever. Not because he was the first, mm-hmm. because he was the best. He didn't have to resort to like cheap pranks where like you're embarrassing people he made himself the focus of the of the of the gags he knew how to get an audience he knew how to make kids smile he was really good and there are a couple of things i learned in that uh that were interesting i didn't know that ted turner had tried to actually trade a backup catcher for him to the padres and the padres had to say he's not even ours he just he kind of just Works in, he, he was an independent contractor. Well, no, no, no. He had still, no. See, this is the backstory that even I wasn't fully aware of. He was still with a radio station oh. that was paying him. And then after that, the radio station, like, gave him, gave him like, a big raise from, like, because he really was just a a grunt to, like, yeah. grand. Ted, Ted, Ted Giannoulis, I think his name was? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, he, was, he went from being a grunt to getting, like, 50 grand. Ted Turner offered him a hundred grand to leave and go to Atlanta, which is pretty funny. Uh, he never did that. Now they reminded me, and and he really did have the best entrance of any mascot. What he did was he had a lawsuit with the radio station, and so the radio station he borrowed money from the Padres to, to sue back. He won, and so he got his independence right. And so they had this big gag where he was going to come out of an egg and be rehatched, like reborn, right? At like third base in San Diego. The night before, somebody stole the egg. And of course the GM thought he was in on it and, and you know, the chicken was like, no. So they got the egg back. They had to trade tickets and something else. They found out who did it. And, <laughs> and so he's there and he's on the third baseline and he's trying to get hatched from the egg. And like one of the uh, 
either the GM or the marketing director is yelling at him to come out of the egg, and he's kicking the shell as hard as he can. It's made out of styrofoam, and it wasn't giving, and then they were worried like something was going to happen to him, and then it finally cracked open, and he, and he got out. Like the guy was just a master at those kinds of things. And so I don't know if you think there's a better one, but whoever thinks the Philly Fanatics better than him, no. Matt or Gritty, or Gritty, no. You First of all, Gritty, Gritty's, Gritty's. I'd like to see Gritty like burned in effigy. Um, I mean, but you know, the Philly fanatic. The only thing I give him for that is like is the inventiveness of like him being on like the the four wheel, uh, you know, do, you know, doing like wheelies and doing all this. But I, I'm surprised the guy in the in the Philly fanatic uh, in the in the costume hasn't gotten hurt because of the stuff that he he he, he did on the on the field was pretty out there so well, i think gritty does worse now with the wire and everything else like gritty's taking more chances yeah well we can only hope um, some of the nba ones they do the triple somersault before yeah. they dunk. those guys were I, i'm gonna ask this because I, I i truly don't know uh the yankees don't have a mascot at least that that right. i know of. Right. um the, the Mets have mr met does mr met walk mr and mrs met do they walk around the state yeah yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, now they weren't always a happy couple. Like, there's a backstory here that has been hidden for many, many years. Mrs. Met just sort of came out of nowhere two years ago. But if you go and look at, like, the 69 banner and stuff, it was Mr. Met and Lady Met. So Lady Met clearly was just either his girlfriend or Mrs. Met before she got married. And then all of a sudden, Mrs. Met, like, after, like, early 70s she disappeared like she wasn't even in in the picture lady met was his girl on the side you know he had, no because he didn't have a wife then so he couldn't be yeah, she disappeared because she had an affair with yuppie yeah i don't know what happened but <laughs> miss met reappeared a couple of years ago and she's clearly younger than him and so there's a whole issue there too yeah, I, you know i'm sure mr met is loaded up on viagra um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hello Hockey World, today is Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. We only have six weeks to go until the opening of training camp, folks. But we actually have some news, uh, A another trade. Actually, two trades to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, we'll start, about the one, uh, start with the one that occurred this morning, and... For those who don't understand it, this is an, another one of these deals like the Clarkson deal with the Leafs that it is cap-related. Um, okay. Uh, the the deal was Ryan Callahan, who made it clear after the season that – and the, the Tampa Bay Lightning made it clear that his back would not allow him to play the final year of his contract. So he essentially is reti – he's retiring after the season, but he's not going to play. Right. Um, him and a mid-round draft pick in exchange for Mike Condon, who was sent down to Belleville, and I don't think he played, but he was he was hurt a lot last year, and then later, yeah, he was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. Um, and that might have him come back, uh, be on IR, but it also could mean that he gets sent to the minors. But this is this move, Russ, is purely to open up uh, cap space because. And this yeah. is this is why this deal is different than the Clarkson deal. The Leafs with the with the, the acquisition of Clarkson got over the eighty one point five million dollar cap. Right. Once they do that, and at the start of the regular season, 
they're over the cap, they can maximize the long-term uh, injured reserve uh, aspect of the CBA and get cap relief for uh, Nathan Horton, Clarkson, and the two injured players who will play later in the year, Zach Hyman and Travis Dermott. Um, with Tampa, they and I, I, I didn't look before we started the show, but I know that they were maybe three to four million dollars short of the cap ceiling mm -hmm. before this trade. They were not going to be able to get close enough to the cap to be able to maximize uh, uh, Callahan's LTIR or even put him on LTIR. Right. So they needed to open up cap space in another way to be able to sign Braden Point. And in this, they clear 5.75, uh, I think it's 5.8, 5.8 of Callahan in terms of a cap hit. They take back Condon's 2.4, and Condon, if they send him to the minors, they clear over a million dollars of that. So they open up over $4 million in cap space with this deal. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's a good deal for them. I, I feel bad for Callahan because I'm sure he didn't really want to go out this way. Mm -hmm. Really good guy, really good player. I mean, he's one of those guys that he put his body on the line like every game. He wasn't the biggest guy, but he never backed down from anything. He he had some really good seasons. He'll probably retire a Ranger. He'll do that one-day retirement thing that I hate. Um, I do because it's just no, like, I, I know, I know. You know. We don't have to get into it. But A one-day one contract like the end yeah, of the yeah, They'll do that after the season. Um, but at any rate, it, this is what Tampa has to do. So now they can bring in point. Point has to be really good. I mean, not to, you know, not to make fun of it, but he has to be on point. Like if they spend all this money on him and mm -hmm. he had a career year, they're in trouble. I don't think that's the case. Right. But if, if he doesn't give them that production almost every year, they're going to start to be in trouble with all these contracts. Well, if the, if I mean, if I would be worried if he hadn't put two years together like he had, it was back to back that he did what he did. And last year, I think he had over 90 points. So he's up there. You know, and like I said, when I did a column yesterday and I was doing projection of what Tampa was going to be paying, I, I said point would be in the $9 million range because you got to remember with Florida, with the state tax aspect, $9 million to them is probably like 10 to 10 and a half with another team in terms of cap, in terms of tax. Yeah. So if he comes in at nine, the core group of the of the Lightning, Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Point, and Vasilevsky on his new deal next year will be over 50% of the cap. That's the new reality of the NHL is that your core group is probably going to take anywhere from 45 to 50% of the cap, and then you're going to have the rest of the team, 18, 19 salaries, you know, whatever, dividing up the other 50%. Yeah, I mean, Randy said maybe Callahan should have backed down, but then he wouldn't be the same player. Like you, you ask a player, like, if Callahan lost his edge on the ice – he didn't have enough skill and finesse to have a full NHL career like he did. He had to do other things. He had to work harder. He had to work hard in the corners. He had, you know, he was good in the locker room. He motivated his teammates. He was just an overachiever. You can't ask a guy like that to back down. He's just not going to. It's the same as Dubinsky, but Callahan obviously is way more talented than. Oh him. my goodness! Uh, breaking news here. Okay. Breaking news. From Renault Lavoie of TVA Sports. Thank you, Renault, and thank you to the Minnesota Wild for giving us something to talk about. 
Paul Fenton has been fired as general manager of the Minnesota Wild after one season. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Now, okay, let's 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 deconstruct this right now because we saw what Fenton was doing. We saw the direction that Fenton was going with this team at the end of last year. Yeah. Charlie Coyle for Ryan Donato deal. The Marcus Granlund for Kevin Fiala deal. He was trading players under contract uh, that had higher cap hits for younger, cheaper guys. Right. Uh, he brings in Ryan Hartman. It, 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 it seemed like that that was the path, and it looked like this team was in a rebuild scenario. Um. This is puzzling because you had you had a coach in the last year of his contract in Bruce Boudreau, who we know was, I think, a lame duck because if they missed the playoffs, he was probably going to get fired, and Fenton was probably going to put his hand-picked guy in there. But this, I mean, this smacks of a, of a power struggle. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on. This smacks of a power struggle between Fenton and maybe maybe a, a, def, a definition of his, his power in the organization with ownership. That's the only thing I can think of on first blush is that, you know, Fenton was operating under what he thought his power, his power and his control of decisions with the organization was going to be. Maybe there was a philosophical difference here and they, and they decided to go their separate ways. But I mean, this is a guy who was, was a GM in waiting for a decade. I mean, we're talking, you know, he was that assistant general manager in Nashville who everybody said is the next guy. Yeah. No and, and it was, it, Russ, it was almost a decade that he was in Nashville and everybody's saying he's the next general manager either in Nashville or he's the next general manager someplace else. And he waited and he waited and he finally got the job in Minnesota. Now after a year, he's gone. Well, remember, he is a cap guy. And so maybe between him and ownership – they didn't want just a cap guy. Maybe ownership wanted a guy that would do more to try and transform the team because let's face it, they have a limited window right now. We've right. talked about it. And he probably looked at the team right this moment and said, I don't like what I see. I mean, look at the West here. And well, I'm going to guess mm -hmm. ownership did not want the same kind of rebuild that he was going to do. And that's probably where they butted head. Right. And, and see that, and that's the thing. If, okay. You've got sort of two plans sort of playing out at the same time. I obviously was reading the landscape of what they did at the end of the year last year and said, they're rebuilding ownership may be paying, you know, seeing Parise being making 7.7 .7 or $7.5 million in Suter and them having long-term left in their contracts and Dubnik and Koivu and Dumba and the, and the and stall and saying, we're built to win now. And clearly the moves that Fenton was making was not to win now. It was to win maybe three or four years from now and to get cheaper and to rebuild. And maybe it's just a clash of those philosophies. Yeah, but, that's what it seems like. I, I'm going to guess that after Fenton made moves and Minnesota got close to the playoffs and didn't make it, then that's when things started to maybe go a little sour. And it was like, all right, maybe they didn't see – maybe ownership didn't see the same plan that he did. And so you have this. Now, the interesting thing is, will Fenton go back to Nashville? I kind of wonder. And 
who is now going to be the GM of the wild. Like this is something where, you know, this is a pretty big story this late in the season, you know, this late in the summer to not have a GM. Yeah, and, and think of it this way. Remember when the whole Patrick Waugh thing went down with Colorado? It happened in late August, so there's a little more little more room to play with here. Most of the moves that Minnesota has made uh, – hey, Ak. Hey. Um, we, we, we were just talking about Fenton being fired. Yeah, that's why I jumped on today quickly. Um, I apologize. My wife had uh, minor surgery. So we just got back from that. So um, just helping her in and everything like that. So I appreciate you guys. Well, let me ask you because I know that you know yeah. you have you have your sources uh, in, in in that organization. And you guys know I talked about this being an issue off the like off the record. Right. Um, but I mean, what, what Russ and I were discussing here is the perception <clears throat> of what was going on with the Wild over the last couple months before the trade deadline and even going into the summer was this was a team in rebuild mode. They made trades where they traded yeah. players that were more expensive and older, Granlund, Coyle, for younger guys, Donato, Fiala. They made these moves. But you look at where that core group is, and it's an aging core group that is probably built to win now, and the philosophy that the general manager had and the philosophy that you know, maybe the ownership had, or maybe, you know, other people in the organization had was that they should win now. And I think it was confused and muddled. I mean, what do you think? I think there's, I think when some, I think that that is all valid and, and they were trying, they were trying to rebuild for sure. Um, they were in the midst of a couple um, possibilities there. Uh, but I think when something like this happens, this suddenly, this kind of surprisingly, this soon after, after, you know, changing course, there's, it, it, it goes more towards a personality issue of some kind of, of something of some kind of like me and not, you know, I mean, you can say they're trying to rebuild and, and they're trying to still go for it and they were doing all this stuff. And I didn't think that, you know, I know that they, um, I know from talking to some people that they were a little disappointed that they couldn't do more during free agency, um, but they didn't have the money to do it. And that, you know, well, kind of, we were just talking about I had a feeling they looked at things right now and didn't like what they saw based on the summer yeah like i had a text from a source over there once that said this um that not too long ago uh, basically to see if that see how much they were done um saying uh that they thought they were that that um you know i was asking i was asking if it, it, i was talking to a source in minnesota about um if they had heard anything regarding mitch marner you know like as far as like just you know what i talked to different people about different things you know not that the wild were going to be included but you know maybe the people at the wild had talked to somebody would talk to somebody kind of thing and uh this source said to me that they were that the wild was pretty much done um so they were pretty much off the radar i didn't really hear anything about marner uh that there were some really interesting rfas that were still left and even some ufas um, and they wish they had some money to spend, and that was that was the fourth of July. Okay, so okay. Um, now not having money to spend, really, people have to really go, goes much more to Fletcher than it does to um, for Fenton, yeah, Fenton, because you know the the salary cap issues that they have are harken back to, mostly to Fletcher. I mean, yeah, you know, and 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 the lack of and the other thing about the Wild that has been striking, we've talked about before, has been the lack of um, projects. On prospects that they have, like they have, they uh, have. The one. Uh, you know what? I disagree with that. We just yeah. did a ranking at um at elite prospects, and they came in nineteenth. And okay. I think 
I did 15 pretty easily. Like it's, it wasn't even strange. Okay. All right, good. Cause that, but that's, 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 that's the perception I keep hearing from different people around the league is that they don't have, that they have one guy that they had this Russian kid, obviously, who was a yeah, Kirill Kaprizov. He's the, yeah. he's the number one. They have Matt Boldy. The last couple of years, they've actually drafted really well, right. but they've also had a collection of European players and college players that don't really hit, you know, the, the eyes of everybody all the time. So, right, right. Yeah, well, more obscure, I guess. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. That's just something not, and again, that's not necessarily to Fenton because Fenton hasn't had that long to do no. it. Well, so, here, let me, let me just read briefly from uh, Mike Russo's piece yeah. that he just posted on the athletic. Um, Leopold, the 11 year wild owner, uh, will be available for the media on Tuesday afternoon is clearly doing something that's not easy, acknowledging that he feels he erred when he chose Fenton over New Jersey Devils assistant Tom Fitzgerald uh, last last May. He also went on to say that numerous employees, numerous accounts of unhappy employees throughout the organization and countless other turbulent incidents that made their way into Leopold's office during the year. Sources said that for weeks it is, was becoming abundantly clear that Leopold, to Leopold that Fenton was not fitting into the culture that he and CEO Matt Majka had worked yeah. to create since Leopold purchased the team in 2008. So he was basically, it sounds to me like he was trying to make the, he was trying to operate and run the team the way he wanted wanted to and that didn't jive with what Leopold had imagined for you know the next general manager so well, I think yeah and I also think that this I mean this personality issue Fenton is a good guy um but, but he's a guy but, he's, he's, but he rubs people the wrong, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way yeah but I, I was saying to Mike and you could speak to this but but he's a cap guy and he's not necessarily a GM and and I guess you need these days a GM to be a bit of a salesman, and Fenton's not that guy. Yeah, and Fitzgerald probably yeah, but, more so. I mean, but, but, depending on how they, you know, where, where they go directly here. But the surprising aspect here is that Leopold knew Fenton from Nashville because he owned the Predators, so he knew what he was. He went through the he went through the interview process. They hired him, and then they discover I mean, that they discover after they hired him that he was. You know what? What he was, they should have no, known. No, and a lot of people, and I, you know, and I'm a big fan of Craig Leopold. I think he's one of the better owners in the. But a lot of people had issues and questioned this because of the fact that I think the Predators, you know, there, there were there were some rubs in Nashville about you know, and and about mm -hmm. about Fenton's personality to the point where you know, it just it, you know, taking it, credit it, for right. taking credit for certain things that you know that maybe maybe well, well, was never going to stand up and like you know say something. But there were some issues where, like, you know, Fenton was taking credit for this, taking credit for that. You know, and I'd hear these things a lot, you know, and I would hear stuff like, you know, I'd hear people. I, there was a – it's hard to say this without, like, saying it in a nice – without sounding, you know, like – but I'm just going to try to just say it. When I talked to people in Nashville, they weren't – I mean, they were happy that Fenton was leaving. They were, they were, they were, they were happy that – because they said they just basically – he was getting to the point where he knew he was never going to be the GM there, and he was getting a little bit ornery about it. That's that was the impression I got, you know, because like, he'd been there for a very long time with Poyle, and really had done a lot of the cap stuff, and you know, and, and had also been part of a lot of the good deals they made. I mean, Fenton is a is a respected guy, but I don't think was I don't think anybody ever saw him as 
more than a than a, than an assistant GM, you know. And I think that that was really where he fit in. That was where he slotted in, you know, like as a really solid assistant. Yeah, Tom Harper's is their assistant now, but he's fairly new. So I'm with you. I think they're yeah. going to end up getting somebody else. Well, yeah. and, and I believe Tom Kerber's uh, um, is, I believe he, he he has cancer, and he is he's had there's a there's a health crisis going on with Kerber's currently. he's been through something recently like that too. Um, yeah, I don't know if he. I mean, you know, I'm just, I know that I heard that recently. I don't know if I, you know. I hope for for his sake. Well, yeah, no, and I, I know. Yeah, because I obviously I'm working on a story right now about um about Bill Zito, who's who was well, a finalist for that job and he you, you stole you stole my thunder here because um, yeah. the the candidate is a, you know after Fenton it wouldn't be shocking if the wild decided to go the experience route this time around names that are being mentioned are Ron Hextall, former Flyers general manager uh, <laughs> former Edmonton Boston GM Peter Chiarelli, uh Dean Lombardi Garth Snow and then uh, Tom Fitzgerald, assistant GM in New Jersey, Bill Guerin, and Bill Zito. Yeah. So yeah. you got a list of eight. Zito and Zito and Kerbers are good friends. I know this because I'm working on an article right now because Zito's wife is was just diagnosed with breast cancer a couple okay. months ago. Jesus. Is um so Zito is is riding in a hundred mile bike race. There's an article that came up at Aaron Portsline a few a little bit ago. Yeah, I, I actually I retweeted it, it. It was retweeted a bunch of times by guys like Elliot Friedman. And I retweeted. Yeah, I retweeted that too. I'm working on a story for it right now, actually, which is going to which is supposed to go up today or tomorrow. Um, about that, it's coming up this weekend. He's setting all kinds of records for raising money for this thing, and he's like, you know, I, I visited him when I was driving back through back the country through Columbus, had dinner with him and his wife, and and talked to him about the whole thing. So, um, I know that you know. I wonder if he would take the job right now because of everything that's going on with his wife. And I think that, right. you know, he, he, he's uh, stepped back a little bit. Although the one thing I will say is that he really, really was upset about not getting that wild job of all the jobs I've talked to Bill about interviewing for. Um, that was the one that he really felt like he blended really well with Craig. And also he's a guy who Craig is from Madison, Wisconsin. And so is Bill Zito. They grew up in the same town. And that, there's definitely a there's definitely a connection with people who grew up, and that culture, that mm -hmm. sort of culture thing, is unquestionably the culture that is around the wild, which is like this, you know, small town type feel to it. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin's, or you know, just you can't find nicer people than you'll find from Madison, Wisconsin. I've always found it to be the case. It's like it's just a place where you know, it's a mid, it's all that's good about the Midwest. So, I think that that cult, you know, that's where Fenton was different, and and definitely rubbed people the wrong way. It is surprising for Craig, though, because Craig has had a history of holding on to GMs for a really long time, right? Like, he has his history and Poyle, he never fired Poyle, um, and he never fired a GM in all, and he's been, he's been, until Fletcher, which was just oh, a couple right. years ago. Right. And he, he's been a, you know, here's, here's a guy who's been an owner. But he gave, but he gave Fletcher a lot, he gave Fletcher a lot of rope. Yeah, for 25 years, the guy's been an owner, and he's fired one GM right. you know, before today, and, and had, like, you know, Fletcher forever and Poyle forever. I think, to be honest, I think Dean Lombardi is going to be the leader in the clubhouse because I think with the veterans that are there, you can't bring in like a new GM with not much experience because the yeah. veterans are going to tune you out. So, Dean uh, the veterans are because well, the we know they are. Zach Parisi, they're Eric Stahl, they're Ryan Suter, they're all the guys taking up cap space. Yeah, I remember Ryan Suter and Zach Parise are both right Americans, right? They're both. They're both from the American hockey program. 
right? Which Bill Zito is a big part of. Lombardi so, was the GM of that. I yeah. know, but now Zito was the well, Zito was the recent GM of it. Not the recent GM, but Lombardi was the GM before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so I'm just so, saying, you know, when you talk about people that they get along with, I mean, the only thing I'll say about Lombardi is he's another different kind of personality, you know, and right, and well, if you're looking for somebody to blend in with your people, you're looking for somebody who's really good and strong. I think you're looking. I think this that points more towards Fitzgerald um, and Zito, like. Well, there's two guys who are really no, and Zeno might not take the job even because I, of what's going on with this thing. So I, I think Fitzgerald is, is a strong possibility. I, ironically, Parise um, voiced some concerns about the about the direction of the organization yeah. on the weekend. So when okay. that comes out, and then three days later, the general manager's fired. You have to consider that the veteran core of that group. And you know, I, well, I think Craig has a lot of respect for um, for Parise. You know, and I think that 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 does. Yeah, he's a leader there, and I think he, when a guy like that says that. Because he's yeah. not an outspoken guy. Yeah, Parise is not the kind of guy who's going to no. say something unless there's absolutely something going on. Yeah. Yeah, he's not He's not the kind of guy who's to tell tales out of school or anything like that. That's not his deal. I mean, to me, the failing of Fenton here, because they've got $9 million in cap space, but Fiala and Erickson Eck have to get signed, so that's going to suck up 80% of it. The, right. the failing of him here was, he, was not trading Spurgeon or Brodeen. Like, he should have traded one of them to get that additional cap space and get in another offensive player, and he didn't do it. And according to this article, they offered Spurgeon um, a little under seven million dollars a year on a new deal, yeah. but uh, that there, you know, that there was, there needed to be a discussion with the general manager before they decide. Because again, again, I think they were concerned about the direction of the organization. You're not going to get anybody to sign long term there if they're going to go through a rebuild. They now they signed right. Zuccarello, and I think that was a good signing because Zuccarello right. played really well last year, and I think he still got something left in the tank, but. You know, the uh, we were talking about this last week. If you look at the Central Division, if I had to bet money on who's the last place team in the Central, it's the Minnesota Wild. It's well, yeah, and that's um, and that's obviously right. Yeah, they are. There's no question. I, I think that 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 is, you know, they're they're among them, you know, for sure. I mean, there's anybody could, you know, you never know it could go south, but right. I mean, my my record of picking last place teams, I picked Ottawa the last place when they got to the conference final and one goal. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean that that division, that, that whole division could be could be good enough to make the playoffs. You know, sure. like, right. they and only five of them can make it, but you know, six of them could qualify if 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 they let six in type thing. But wouldn't wouldn't it be wouldn't it be ironic that Chuck Fletcher takes over for Ron Hextall in Philadelphia? There's no way Hextall. <laughs> no way. I cannot see I know, just, any just, world in which Craig Leopold and Hextall would would, would get along, and not, <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that they're no, both. I don't see it as a fit either. I agree with you. And I think that especially if you're looking at a personality issue, you've got to bring in some, that 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 this personality is Hextall's not the guy who's going to bring in and open up the line no, of communication. No. Anyway. no. Remember Hextall's next song is out of Philly mainly because he didn't communicate with anybody. Right. Bull in a China shop. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, the other guys you mentioned, I mean, Chiarelli, that's possible. No, that's not going to happen. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's likely. I mean, this close on the heels of his disaster in Edmonton. I don't think no. so. I actually think what he's going to have to do is probably go back to being an AGM somewhere for a couple of years. He was up for consideration for the Seattle job though. Pretty, pretty strongly. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as someone in the chat room saying that they, uh, they, they, uh, I guess it's Bill's Angel that doesn't think Fitzgerald would leave New Jersey because they're creating something exciting. That doesn't matter if you get a chance to be a uh, GM. Yeah, that's irrelevant. I mean, and it's like you know, and I, I Fitzgerald does have a Nashville connection too, obviously. Yeah. Part of that, part of that, you know. So 
and remember, he he was an assistant GM in Pittsburgh under Shiro, so he went he went to New Jersey to be under Shiro and probably have a bigger role. So yeah. he's grooming he's grooming himself like Garen is in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I like him, but I'm telling yeah. you, I don't think Minnesota can go with an unproven GM again. Yeah, to I me, to me, I mean, I think that if I mean, you know, and I you know, obviously might be a little bit biased because I just met with a guy and I am and he's going through it, but yeah, I think the combination here of experience plus you know plus personality ability to handle people and stuff like that puts bill zito pretty strongly at the top of that list oh, i think he's near the top there's no question yeah, I, think, I mean fitzgerald the thing about fitzgerald is you know he's he there's a difference between a guy who was an ex-hockey player and i hate to say this but you know an ex-hockey player and a guy who went you know at age 24 was the youngest youngest uh, judge on like Wisconsin Superior Court and Bill Zito. Like Bill Zito is like a, he is a absolute hundred percent. The way the way the league is yeah. now, Ak, you're you're right. I think that the fact that he, you know, you've got you're in a league now where you have Kyle Dubas and John Chica as general managers. They never played professionally anywhere. So that stigma of not choosing a player, somebody who was a former player, I think is over with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean. No, I agree. I mean, I agree that you former players can be GMs. I mean, and I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, I talk against it quite a bit because I'm, I'm I would rather have a guy because this is such a complicated business world. That I mean, but the, the, you know, there are some guys out there like I'll tell you the guy. Um, what's his Doug, name? Doug Wilson's one of the best general managers. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. That there, there are. I mean, you know, it's unfair to call all hockey players like lugheads, you know, but. Right. But the thing about Zito too is the many, many years of experience as an agent, and what that gives you is the ability to negotiate. Negotiate too, like remember, NHL players don't negotiate their own contracts, you know. So, you know, there's, I think, the experience as an agent, the communication skills. Um, but like and, I say, the only thing I don't know is if he would take the job because of what's going on with his. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not using this as a as a pejorative toward or as a negative towards uh, towards Bill Zito, but we've seen in Major League Baseball right now the example of, of an agent becoming a general manager and how mm -hmm. that has not gone well with the Mets with Brody Van Wagenen. Mm -hmm. You know, he he's he's been. I mean, he's shown that he's a novice. I don't think that Zito would because he's had experience as an assistant general manager for years and years. Van yeah. Wagenen went from being an agent right to being a general manager. And he, Russ, has he been a disaster or is he not? No, no, he has. Um, no, and it, and it, you have to learn. I mean, and, and you know, he's remember. He's been longer than that. So I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the issue. But, again, I just I, – I lean more towards – the, the grizzled veteran here at least for a couple of years because I think what's going to happen here is the next guy who comes in, he is going to have to deal with that leadership group and figure out what to do with this team, and that's going to be a very hard sell, a very yeah. hard sell. It's not yeah. be, this is now a very difficult job. And, and to, oh, I don't think it is. And in fair, and in fair oh, this is a difficult job. I mean, difficult in terms of what? Difficult well, in terms of you're coming in right. and you're dealing with – Thirty-year-old and older players. You got like five of them. Yeah. You you've got Miko Koivu, who you're hoping you can get another year out of. You've got Eric Stahl, who you just extended. You got Parisi and Suter, who are going to be extended beyond what their really good playing ability is. You don't have a lot of money to spend, and, and you've got to get Kaprizov over here, or you're going to lose another key asset. Well, and and this this is the thing. It would be one thing if this happened 
in late May or June. Maybe you wait until after the draft because the general manager has set his strategy for the draft. But you've done you've done it at the end of July after all the sign after he's made all the signings. You know, it basically, he went out and bought the groceries, and now you're bringing in another chef to cook with the gro- with the groceries that the uh, that the other chef bought. I mean, to be honest, yeah. the next guy who comes in, they should just talk to Kaprizov and say, "All right, look, you see that we're having problems here. If you don't want to play here, where do you want to play?" And they should just trade his rights to that team and get something for him because at this point. Well, I can't believe Kaprizov would look at the Wild and want to play for them. Well, his, con- his contract that's kind of is a good GM. That's kind of what good GMs do. That, that's that's the way. That's the way good GMs handle it. You know, you'd be surprised how matter of fact good GMs are about guys like that. Like, yeah. you know, and it really is just a, an asset. Like, you'll you'll talk to them, and then and you know, like I remember talking to somebody about um, Lorenski. You know, I talked to Zito about Lorenski while I was there. And I'm like, you know, that's a real big deal, and it, and you know, and it's it's a tough thing to get done. And he's like, yeah, it's not really a tough thing to get done. And I and I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. He's going to have to sign. What he's going to sign, and he can't go anywhere else. So we kind of have him, and you know, we're going to try to make this work. And and we love him. He's obviously a great player, but he's, he, there's not a whole lot of power. And because and, and this again, kind of talks like an agent who was an agent and knows that argument from the other side of things. And right. He's like, you know, and I think that, you know, and, and he loves Lorenzi, but it's, he's in, he didn't, he wasn't concerned. Like it wasn't like, you know, yeah. panic that I feel from Provorov and Fletcher yeah. sometimes is a little bit more intense. Like, um, then, and even, even McAvoy with Sweeney, with Sweeney, it's, it's, it's a little more intense and, uh, than this is. It's just, there's a matter of factness to guys who are agents sometimes that just like, they understand that that's what you are, you know, um. I don't know. Like they, as far as anybody else goes out there, I, that's a really tough call. I don't know if there's anybody else that I can think of um, right off the top of my head. Um, you know, Curvers, yeah, definitely is not. Uh, no, he's not going to be the guy. No, I mean, that's, I think that's the list. I I don't think there's like an X wild player that they're going to bring in and no. can be the GM because the guy they that's what I'm saying. The guy they're bringing in now has to have experience because yeah, this is now a difficult situation. You're now taking over a team that – and look, and even the goalie's not getting younger. Not that he's bad. I like him. But I'm just saying you've got now a situation there where you've got to really figure out this game plan because right now in July of this year, it doesn't look good. And if your players don't think it looks good or has promise going into the season, that's not a good way to start the season. Now, Boudreaux won't let it yeah. carry on that much. And it's good that they held on to him for that reason, but there's only so much Boudreau can do with them too. Yeah, I, I don't know if Boudreau's gonna because Boudreau's gonna make oh. it much longer either. To be honest, like no, I, no, 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 I, I don't think this helps. I don't think this helps Boudreau's situation at all. He was a lame duck with Fenton because he was entering the last year of his. I mean, remember when Fent when the, they decided they were gonna keep Boudreau, Fenton came out and essentially said, "Well, we know he has a year left in his contract, so we're just gonna keep him." It, it was not exactly a uh, you know. Yeah, but that was Fenton's view of them. Right. I'm saying this. Right now, it's July. If you, yeah. call, if you call Boudreaux, you can easily extend them, whoever the new GM is. If you don't have to go on a coaching search after you're going on a GM search, this yeah. is going to be a wash. No, that's, that's legit. I mean, there really, aren't, there really are no coaches out there right now that you know. They would, I mean, unless, unless, you're, unless you're really just going into, like, the minor league ranks. They could, they could hire Michelle Terrier. <laughs> He's under contract. Yeah, you know, Flyers have let him go for head head coaching job. 
they were. I really hope these things happen, but that's, I don't think that's, that's where that's going to go. Um, no, I think that at the end of the, no, I mean, this is going to, this is going to play out. I mean, Lombardi will be, I mean, I think Lombardi is a possibility for us. I don't think you're off of that completely. Um, he could be interviewed. He could be a caretaker general manager for a couple of years, you know, like sort of be a transitional guy, sort of like Rutherford was supposed to be in Pittsburgh, and then he won two Stanley Cups and he stuck around. So, right. But you know, I mean, you can't dispute Lombardi's, uh, you know, resume with San Jose and L.A. So, um, he and I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, what was the what was the read in Philadelphia? He didn't he didn't want to take that job. He didn't want. Oh, that, was, that was the that was the line in Philadelphia. I don't think I don't think that they were going to give him the job. I don't think. Okay. Um, I mean, I think Lombardi Lombardi is known. Um, the best way to describe Lombardi is he's known as a survivor. You know, like he will do yep. whatever has to be done to keep his job. Um, and he was always afraid of being fired in L.A. Like before before he had his success, you know, there was a definite sense of he was like, and he is. Not, I don't want to call him a puppet type GM, but he will do whatever is, you know, any whatever he feels like the owner wants him to do, which is which, which every GM does to a degree. But you know, and this is a little unfair to say because that's you know the GM works for the owner and they've got to do what he says to do. But um, but he's Lombardi definitely, and but and the thing about Leopold is he's not the kind of guy who likes that kind of GM. Like Poyle was his own guy, Fletcher was his own guy. Um, so I don't think that you know where you have you they could do. I'll give you an example of what they could do that might be able to help them. Mm -hmm. So maybe they hire Lombardi. He becomes the president. Maybe Lombardi tries to bring over Michael Fuda and give Fuda the GM job. And see, if they did that, that yeah. would be a very good start for that organization. And and there, there is a better chance of that happening now than before the draft because LA would probably have not let Fuda go because he's so in, in, important to their draft scheme. Right. Not, right. Right now, like, you know, I mean, not that you Fuda ever want to have a good, Fuda does have a good rap. I'll say that. Yeah. Not that you ever want to lose a, a quality manager like, like Fuda, but this would be the best time because it's well before the draft and he would have, you know, the LA would have enough time to fill his spot and, and, yeah. and he would fill two key front office spots for the wild. Like that's an important thing. Director, director of scouting and general manager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, Mark, hey, Mark, Mark Hunter could be in the mix too. Yeah. I don't think he has enough. He doesn't have, he doesn't have any general manager experience, but in terms yeah. of NHL, but yeah. I do think that there, there's going to be a big – it's got to be personality too, like it's the other thing too, like really again with Mark Hunter. Nothing against Mark Hunter, but I think that there's a – I think that you know, like the Midwestern type personality thing is going to play into this well because that whole organization is full of those kind of people. Like one of the interesting things would be if, if, um, if Poyle was like say his contract was up, you know, would, would, would Leopold try to – Get David Poyle to go to Minnesota. Well, if 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 he wasn't set up to be the next Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada, a Minnesota native and rather experienced general manager and a personality named Brian Burke, yeah, might make sense. Yeah, and I think they get the thing. I think Leopold and Burke could get along pretty well too. Um, yeah, I just don't think he wants to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Bur I think Bur Burke is going to yeah. be a TV star now. I think he's got it. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's done with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do too. I do too. You know, I think I think Toronto really Toronto was his dream job, and it just took the wind out of his sails. Yeah, you know? he likes telling stories now. 
It, yeah, it, it was his dream job, and it became his nightmare. Yeah, it really just took. It just it just was so frustrating, and 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 also the age of um, social media and Brian Burke aren't necessarily good for each other. You know, like as far as going forward, like it's just there's certain things that like. Well, you know, I have to give him credit. He is good. He is good on television. He no, is he's great. He is incredible on television. I, I mean, I want to. No, I, I, I think I think he's carved out a niche for himself that he's going to exploit to his to his benefit for the next. Yeah. How many? Uh, Known as somebody, somebody threw up in the chat room. That's not a not chance in hell. Not a chance in hell. I don't know. I wouldn't say not a chance in hell. Not. In I hell. don't know if Dave Nonas will ever be another, uh, ever be a general manager again. And His name has come up a couple times. I know so. it has. I know. And you know what it is, Zach? His name has been put out there by, I think, his friends in the media to get him back in the mix. Does that mean he actually is in the mix? No. Yeah, I think that's true. Hey, we, we should talk about some of these other subjects, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, Zach, if you want to stick around. We're gonna I am going to have to go because I have to yeah. do it. All right. We, we, we got it covered. Uh, we'll I do really that. appreciate it, guys. Sorry for right. having you. Great care. job. Make talk sure to you tomorrow. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining, and uh, and uh, you guys are in good hands. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Okay. Um... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.